Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Um, yeah, so guys, I really, really highly recommend that you guys listen to this podcast. You know, if you are in the startup space, if you are in the SaaS space or tech space, uh, today's guest is absolutely uh, crushing it. You know, their company has just hit, you know, $10 million in annual recurring revenue in 3.5 years with, you know, no investor backing at all. So it's absolutely crazy what this, what the, what this guy has done and what their team has done. So today's guest is G. Uh, I'm going to call him G just as I might butcher his name and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, he's actually the CEO and co-founder of Lendless. So a sales automation platform, like I was saying, they've hit over $10 million in annual recurring revenue in only 3.5 years, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, he's also a co-founder of Lempire, a company creating amazing SaaS products. And he's also been a TEDx guest speaker, which I recommend you guys go check him out on there. And also he's, uh, you know, he, he's a YouTube content creator. Like this guy's making some amazing content. So, uh, I, you know, I highly recommend that you guys go check him out on YouTube, uh, you know, follow his journey. Like this guy's making a amazing startup content, breaking down the startup lifestyle. Uh, you know, it's like sort of, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's like, you, you guys do like, it's like sort of like travel vlogging. Cause you guys are doing a little bit area, but it's then it's mixed with business and you got like advice. So it's really, really, really interesting content. So I highly recommend that you guys go check out him there, but yeah. A little bit of a long intro, but yeah, without further ado, today's guest is G and it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks a lot for having me. I couldn't uh, wish for a better uh, intro. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So um, why don't we just break it down from the basics for people that maybe haven't come across, you know, you're crushing it on LinkedIn, uh, you know, you're doing YouTube, you guys are doing a lot of, you guys have got a lot of press, uh, but for maybe people that have never heard of you before, um, you know, where did you grow up? What school did you go to? And what was your first passion? Wow, that's uh, that's deep. So <laughs> I uh, I grew up in Paris, France. My parents uh, come from the countryside and they, they grew up on a farm. Uh, they didn't get any degree. So for them, basically, like uh, it was very important that uh, I study science because I would get like a, a good degree and then a good job. So I basically got a, a master in chemical engineering, worked uh, in Scotland for a bit uh, and studying like a uh, drug discovery and all these type of things. And after that, uh, when I came back to France, um, I just decided that, you know, I wanted to travel for about a year, but because I had like no money or actually I had done pretty much any job a student can do during my studies to save enough money for the flight tickets. Um, and I decided to use only social network to travel around the world for a year. So I was staying at locals uh, for free in exchange sometimes uh, for work which was really like a, an awesome experience where I really like uh, enjoyed the, the feeling of being free. So when I got back, I was like, okay, like how exactly can you be free? You know, and to me, it was about launching my own business. So because I was an engineer and didn't know nothing about business, I thought, okay, let's go back to business school. So I got like a, a master in marketing, launched uh, my first business with my dad, which was a t-shirt business, massive fail. I was 100% uh, sure back then that uh, whenever you launch a website online, you're going to get sales straight up, <laughs> which was very stupid when I look at it uh, right now. But we made, I think, about six sales when we launched. And after that, it was very difficult. Like um, the relationship with my dad kind of like suffered at that time because it was a disappointment for them. I knew my parents had sacrificed like a lot. My dad took two jobs, et cetera, so we couldn't study, et cetera. And not being able, you know, like to give everything back to him was quite tough. So I decided to launch actually another business with, uh, with a friend, a lead generation agency, 
we help like customers basically acquiring um, clients and getting more meetings booked through uh, cold emails. So sending emails to their prospects. And uh, I think we generated a few million bucks for our clients. And then I thought, okay, uh, I've been using all these tools out there. I feel like uh, the market is huge. There is an opportunity. So in 2018, uh, I decided to launch Lemlist with my two co-founders. And three and a half years later, we're at uh, 10 million in AR. And um, talking about my passion, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember all the questions you asked. So. <laughs> Sorry for the monologue. Uh, and uh, finishing with passion, I, I played basketball for, uh, for 15 years. So I was like really passionate about uh, basketball. Uh, yeah, I was spending most of my, uh, my nights at the gym playing basketball. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, that, that's absolutely a credible story. Like you start off engineering, then you get into marketing and it's like, then you get into SaaS, which is like crazy. It's, it's a really interesting journey. So, um, well, you, your, parent, your parents must be super, super proud of you now that it's sort of like all worked out and like now you guys are like, you guys are absolutely crushing it. Um, yeah, and stuff to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess my mom, uh, my mom being half Italian, she was scared for a lot of time because she thought like, what the fuck? Like you got the best degrees in the from the best school in France, and now like uh, you have to start a business and not make money, not make money. <laughs> so she was stressed, but step by step, like she realized it was a, it was a, a safe option in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about that, but I, I sort of want to jump into that a bit because, um, yeah. you know, the, the startup space is it's super stressful, and being a young you you know a young guy or girl um, starting a company and, you know, your parents, like, like you said, your, your parents came from a working background. They really wanted you to go to university, get a good job and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, you know, sometimes going in another direction and following what you want, like what, you know, what you love to do and what, you know, is going to like sort of work out, um, you know, that must be really stressful. So how did you cope with that when you were first getting start, like, you know, after the t-shirt business and like, you know, starting your next business, like how, how did, how, what was your sort of mentality with it? I think it's. Uh, I think you have to be resilient when uh, when you build a business because, uh, in full transparency, I think like uh, I stopped visiting my parents for uh, months. I stopped uh, seeing my friends for also a lot of time, you know, because the only question uh, I was getting every time, you know, I was uh, meeting with someone was like, uh, "Oh, okay, you're an entrepreneur now, so uh, are you paying yourself yet?" And every time, you know, you have to kind of like justify yourself for not paying yourself because. It takes time like building a company it takes time like making money out of it it takes time like uh, generating profits and um because i felt really bad about all these things like i kind of like decided to cut bridges with uh with my closed one so it was quite a tough time like in the in the early days and i was focusing uh, very much on work which paid off to be honest uh i do think that uh, it would have been a, a smarter choice to just like uh, educate my closed one and just tell them like okay, I will let you know whenever uh, I will get paid. But for now, it, it puts me in the same spots where I feel like weak every time I have to like say that uh, I'm not paying myself, I'm not making money, etc. So in the early days, it was quite tough. But uh, the pride that you get when you start uh, getting your first salary and you can tell people like, oh yeah, I'm getting a salary, I have hired like uh, our first employee, etc., etc., it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, 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 a hundred percent. But yeah, it's it's uh, in those beginning those beginning days. I think that's where you're really sort of made as like an entrepreneur, right? Is like those hard points because like if if you can get through, you know, the setbacks, the failures, um, you know, the discomfort of everything that happens in those early days, it's like you can sort of go off and crush anything, right? Um, yeah. so yeah, so, so I, I think that's some really good advice there is just like, you know, narrowing down and focusing on your work, but also, you know, if you had the chance again to sort of explain it better, but I, I mean, if you're looking in the past tense, that's sort of hard to do. Cause at the time, um, to sort of have that com- conversation, like it's, it's, it's a hard conversation to have. And it's like, you know, do, are they going to understand it the way that you're explaining it and stuff? So yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting subject. Um, but yeah, to sort of move on from that, um, what 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 got you into uh SAS and like like you, you don't like this is the interesting thing like you don't have a like do, do you have a back like I know you have an engineering background but was that in like computer engineering or uh it was no, just like no it was really chemistry so I could uh yeah I was really good at chemistry really good at uh drug synthesis and all these type of things uh but I had like I could program in uh, C which is like very low level uh, computer programming but very unhelpful whenever you're doing like web things uh, and i had like to be honest no particular like uh, enjoyment or i was not really like enjoying it programming or all these type of things um however after like uh, building my agency and when i was looking at like the different business model out there of being an entrepreneur i with the agency i found it super stressful because you had clients for like three months contract and afterwards you never knew whether or not you would keep them because some of them would say like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine. Like we have enough leads for the next six months, but we'll get back to you. Or others were saying like, well, I don't know, not sure we're going to test another like acquisition channel or whatever. So it was very tough like to kind of like build and scale a business, uh, especially because agencies and, and businesses that requires really like uh, to have a lot of people um, is it, quite tricky. It's like people business. And, uh, and I really felt like back then I was way too inexperienced to grow such business. I do think that agencies are great in a sense that you can make money very quickly and validate like a lot of things, uh, get the confidence that you can close clients, make money for yourself, like become a true entrepreneur. But I do think that to scale an agency business, you need to learn uh, really quickly how to work with people, how to structure a team, how to make people stick, how to have clients for like a longer period of time, etc. While when I was checking like the SaaS business model, which is a recurring revenue, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. Uh, this, this idea of providing tons of value, having people that would just come to your website, sign up and potentially like uh, become customers because they perceive the value was something very attractive to me. So I, I just said like, okay, I want to I wanna get in that space and get started. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And, and SAS is, 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 well, it's been blown up for a while now. Like a lot of people are very, very interested in it. Right. Um, so, okay. So, so, so you saw the business model and you're like, okay, I like this, you know, like um, it doesn't have, to, it doesn't require me to hire. It's not like a service business where you have to keep requiring what, well, well, I mean, it is a service business, but you don't have to keep requiring to bring on like tons and tons and tons and tons of people. Right. Which can get really difficult when you're managed, like, you know, for you to grow, like with the agency, like you were saying, is like for you guys to grow, you're gonna have to bring on like, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 more people to get to the, probably the same amount of revenue that you're getting now with a much smaller team. Right. Um, so with that, like, how did you go, like, can you actually talk about, like, how would you go about, like, um, 
building your idea, like was, the, was this your idea or was it like, you know, did you pitch it to a few friends? Was this for a few friends? Like, I know you have co-founders. So how, how did that whole process start? And when did you actually say to yourself, you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to start this. Were you also, also, I do want to mention, were you also running the agency at the same time or did you quit the, shut down the agency and just focus all your energy on this? So what I did back then is I sold my shares of the agency so I could focus 100% on a new project called uh, Lemlist. <laughs> um, and back then, uh, the idea for me was clear. I really wanted to uh, create a better version of the tools that existed, uh, something a bit more innovative, something a bit different, just because I felt like the value proposition of all the tools out there were just about putting your sales on autopilot, which to be honest, sounds amazing. But for everyone who has done a bit of sales prospecting, you know that you need to personalize whenever you're sending messages. You know that you need to spend time on researching the person. You know that you, to build relationships, you know you need to spend that time. And I wanted to be just fully transparent with people, have like a different marketing approach and uh, even though the market was crowded, I just thought that we could do better. And, uh, and that's why I launched. You know, we see a lot of people um, will be telling you, like, uh, if a market is too competitive, like, don't go there, etc. For me, I think that it's, it's actually, like, quite a good sign. Because if a market is very competitive, it means that the product market fit already exists. Meaning that there is a, a need for a specific product and there is a market for it, which means that there are tons of competitors. So, for example, if you go to like, uh, I don't know, any city uh, in, I mean, in France, <laughs> I'm going to take a French example, uh, if you, you would see like uh, bakeries at every corners. Uh, if you open a bakery, you're going to make money, that's for sure. Like everyone eat bread, croissant and everything. Uh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't because there are like a few in your neighborhood. You know what I mean? You just need to be better if you want to get like the most customers. And to me, that's the same thing in pretty much any business. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it sort of comes down to like branding is so huge, right? Like with like those, those bread shops, it's like, you, you can like, you can get to a sort of level where it's like, you know, you can make the best like baguette or croissant, but I mean, like at a certain level, every, like there's going to be a few other shops that are like the same thing. And then that comes down to brand and customer experience. Right. Um, exactly. so I, I, I sort of want to talk about that because you guys did, um, you know, probably a very, very interesting and crazy stunt, which, which I, I absolutely love. Like I, I absolutely love this because, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was, I know you talk about it a lot on podcasts and I know it's like something that you, you guys talk about a lot, but I, I just want to talk about it briefly was the, the $30 million uh, raise that you guys did and then you know rejected uh, to get mass and media attention uh, so what was the thought process about that and uh, you know were you nervous to do that stunt or was there any like you know like uh, you know how, how, how yeah. did it sort of unfold and like what, what was your thinking behind it so being fully transparent on the story I was actually having a chat with uh, Nathan Latka um, uh, on, a, on a show and it was basically telling me okay you're bootstrapped uh, you're highly profitable. Right now, you don't need any VCs. Uh, and then I told him, like, well, the only reason we would need like investors is to get an article on TechCrunch. And then he laughed and said, well, you could ask a VC to give you a term sheet and then send the term sheet to a, a TechCrunch journalist and say that you're going to say no to it. And then I laughed and then I said, like, yeah, actually, it's a good idea. And after that, because I started my YouTube channel, I was like, okay, like, it's good to give advice to people. And I wanted to do something about fundraising because everyone tells me about fundraising. But then I thought like, okay, why wouldn't we start uh, publicly to announce that we will raise 20 million 
see how it happens, document the entire process of me pitching, doing all these things. And if we receive a term sheet, we will say no. But the truth is, as we got started, the thing got totally out of control. I received like hundreds of messages from VCs all over the world after the pitch because I was revealing like all our metrics in really detailed and we've always been in hyper growth. So the company is quite attractive for uh, investors. And then down the line, you know, like I received the first term sheet, then the second one. So it kind of like went out of control. And my goal was really to show that there are other ways of or other paths to success that even though the press only shows the startup who are raising the most, you can also build a very, very successful business without having to like um, raise money, without having to go through that route. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have like a hyper growth because that's what we had. And by doing that, yeah, as you said, like it got like a huge uh, press PR attention. But most importantly, I had like thousands of messages from bootstrap entrepreneurs, so entrepreneurs who didn't want to raise funds or who were just uh, so thinking about raising funds. And who told me like, thank you for that because I've been realizing that I was wasting my time for a lot of time trying to raise funds when actually I should be focusing on getting customers. Yeah, yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. Like, uh, and, and actually, in your YouTube, uh, your YouTube channel, you guys break that down a lot better in detail and with a lot more tons of information, which I highly recommend that you guys go check out. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely love that because it's like when you're sort of thinking about a startup, it's like you try and pitch some investors and they turn you down, and then that's so you sort of feel crap, right? You're like, oh, is my idea not good enough or anything like that? Like, you know, I, like is this a, like a proper you know fit for market? But then it's like sometimes you know what. Uh, people just aren't going to see the same value that you have and um, you know, that, that you see in this product or service and just going through and getting those customers is the best thing you can do. Right. Um, I, I sort of want to ask you an interesting question here. So I, I know you guys got offered $30 million, um, right. For, for yeah. the company. And with, I think it was like 15 million. So it was like $5 million to each of you. Right. So was there a number that you guys would have sold if you got offered it? Like if you guys got offered $10 million each, would you guys have, would have, you know, sold? So the, the, the real story is that, yeah, the, so the, the funding was like 30 million. There would be like $15 million where the money would go inside the company and 15 million for us, which means that we would have uh, gotten, I think at the time it was uh, for like a 40% stake in the company. So we would have kept uh, the majority of the shares. Oh, okay. But um, being fully transparent with you, um, we actually like uh, recently did uh, some cash out, which means that we sold 20% of the company, which is something that almost no startup has, was able to do like uh, in the past. So we sold 20% of our company for $30 million. So recently we got with my two co-founders like uh, 10 million each, <laughs> which is uh, wow. quite nice. <laughs> it's, it's a good way to like de-risk the business and be even more ambitious because right now we know that actually like uh, you know we have enough money not to basically like uh, think of money ever again so we can just focus on what we love and we love our company so it's just about bringing more value helping more people grow a business and uh, be as profitable as uh, as we are yeah yeah no no 100 percent. And, and once you sort of like that, that that's like, I mean, $10 million is a huge game changer. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so I, actually talking about that was that like when you uh like when you guys got that was like because I, I saw a little bit of the backstory for your two co-founders they both have families and stuff yeah. and uh, well, one of them has a family and then i think it's another one's maybe starting a family i'm not too sure what, yeah exactly but, yeah 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 so like the 10 million dollars like that's like you know like and, and i i know if like if i had kids like oh i'm like oh crap like that's like you know that's university paid that's like you know everything that they sort of want or need to do is already like, you know, they can do whatever they want. Right. Which is, which is huge. Uh, so how, how, how did that sort of feel when that hit you when you were like, okay, we're doing this 20, like at the time, was it like, was it really like crazy or how, how did you sort of feel? Yeah, it's uh it's, it's definitely like a, a crazy feeling. Um, but to be honest, like the process, um, even though it was like quite fast, etc., it's um, to me, I, I come, you know, like uh, from a background where, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and I, I thought for a long time that money could be linked to my happiness uh, because, you know, when I was like younger, I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't purchase a lot of things. I couldn't travel enough, etc. Like, or I had that feeling, but actually like uh, growing the company, we started to make like a lot of money. Then we sold our first business actually like uh, uh, a year and a half ago. So we had even more money. I could... Uh, buy a house in Paris, I could uh, do all the things that I wanted. And then I realized, well, actually money is not what makes me happy. What makes me happy is building and growing things and providing value to others. And, you know, like seeing other people get the same freedoms that I have, I think is the most fulfilling thing that I can feel, you know? Yeah. So once we got that, obviously, like I was really happy because I saw that right now, everything that I'm gonna do is all about having fun, bringing value to people and making this project the biggest one we could ever. And I, I saw that my co-founders had the exact same feeling, which for me is even better because my two co-founders are a bit older, as you said, they, they are like on the tech side, which means that I'm the most risk averse. And on their end, they're always been like, a, you know, like kind of daddy business type of way. So it's like, Let's, uh, you know, like uh, don't spend too much and all these type of things, which is a great balance. But when you're hyper growing, sometimes you need a bit of, uh, of craziness, I would say. <laughs> and, uh, and basically like for them right now, it's like, yeah, like uh, it's okay. You know, they want to hire more. They want to grow the team faster. They want to do all these things so we can just skyrocket our business. And, uh, and this feeling is just amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and I, 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 I know, like, like you were saying, like, uh, you know, the, the money doesn't really make you happy. Well, I mean, not that it doesn't make you happy, but uh, you know, the really building your business is, is really amazing. Uh, was there any, when you got that money, was there anything, I, I'm sort of just interested, was there anything that you sort of like wanted to have or anything like that, that you sort of, <laughs> that you sort of bought that you really wanted for like a long time or anything? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. There are a few things. Uh, I, I bought my first, uh, my first ticket in uh, in first class for like flight ticket, which which I think is uh, is something I I thought I would never do just because you know like flying in second class is, has always been like uh, something normal for me and I kind of like like it. Uh, so this is something I I did. Um, there is also like uh, I invested about like uh, a million in crypto because <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a huge believer like uh, in crypto and and in that space like I've been you know like watching this for a long time. So yeah, this is a, the little things. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. And, and actually speaking about crypto, uh, with that, uh, are, are you also interested? Like, I know you guys have, um, 
uh the it's like the lemverse yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so are, are, are you guys are getting in, uh, like into the metaverse and all that type of stuff um you know are are you personally uh getting into like nfts right now or does that sort of side interest you or are you not really interested in that yeah so i'm i'm super interested in uh, in web3 in crypto in nfts and all these topics I do think that there is a, a lot of hype around it, a lot of FOMO. So everyone is uh, has the fear of missing out the train of uh, there is a new web coming, etc. I do think that when it comes to technological infrastructure, uh, everything is way too slow. So it could work on uh, the actual like uh, we have such a good user experience right now with Web2 that going back to something decentralized that would take like uh, 10 times longer to do because if you look at Bitcoin transaction, for example, I don't know, like it's uh, in one second, I think they can make like 16 transactions or something like that, which is way too slow. You know, like you need um, a very different type of, uh, of bandwidth if you want to, to create something viable. So what I like, though, is, uh, is the, the mentality and the philosophy behind, behind it. So Web3 is all about like uh, removing, you know, to the monopoly like uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, etc., like the power and bringing the power to the creators. So if you're building your community, so like you, for example, like people listening to your podcast on Web3, technically, they could directly like give you money because you know they think that you're doing like an, an awesome job. You're asking like the good question. They love to listening to you and your guests so they can support it. Uh, you could see that people, you know, who are basically like bringing people together, organizing meetups, events, could also get money out of it. And this is like the philosophy in Web3 where you remove the middleman and the monopoly, and you're just trying to basically like uh, give wealth to more people and especially to the one we're creating, which I think is really nice as a philosophy. And this is definitely something we will try to uh, apply to, uh, to our like Lambers, uh, which is right now like a virtual office where people can just go and meet with us, have a chat with us, etc. It's quite cool. But in the future, we really want to have like more offices, more events, more really cool stuff happening and uh, down the line for people within that community who are going to bring value, connect people with others. We really want to also like uh, incentivize them and down the line, if they can get money out of it, we would have one, whether it's crypto or not crypto. To me, this is like another debate uh, where I don't have the need, you know, like to just add uh, buzzwords just to get like an investor excited so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i mean your your sort of team has already sort of proved them proved themselves at being like effective at you know what you guys do and you guys have that experience right now right um yeah. so yeah so so i i i, I, would, I would think mo a, a lot of investors would probably be interested in you know whatever you guys have going on or any new projects you guys start up right um so now we're talking a little bit to the advice part um you know uh how so talk about the company. Uh, how, how do you guys find and uh, keep great talent for your business? Because right now that's something that's a huge conversation with, you know, let's say uh, recruiters and hiring managers, all this type of stuff. Cause like uh, keeping great talent right now seems to be a little bit hard. How, how are you guys approaching that? I think there are like a couple of things is if you want to motivate like the best people to stay, you need to understand what are they looking for? If they are looking for money, potentially joining a startup is not the right option. And you shouldn't like uh, hire people in your startup who are just looking for money. I, I mean, that's my personal advice. Um, you should always aim for people who are very curious and who are excited about learning. 
obviously you want to pay people the best as possible like we try to pay everyone like really well like above uh, average uh, salary etc but you want people who are there not for the money but because of the learning and you want to put people with what i think what matters to me and to keep people are two things the first one is who um who are people surrounded with so make sure that everyone in a team works well together and that you don't hire people with large difference in talent because what i've noticed is that when people uh, when really really smart people are put in a team where people are a bit lazy not working as hard etc they get demotivated and that's when they leave however if you keep highly talented people all together you create something amazing because everyone is basically helping each other to become a better version of themselves and this is when you build like amazing companies um so to me like this is like the the most important part and the second part i would say is uh, just make sure to have like a quarterly review with uh, with your team making sure like how they feel um what you can offer them as a future like uh, making sure that they can also change departments easily so in our team for example i think like we've uh, we've made people change departments so many times and we don't really care like uh, we change people from the sales to the people from marketing to the people from so many different things just because you know we feel like people whenever they're smart they can adapt anywhere and that they should follow their true passion so put people in jobs where they're passionate about and you never have to worry about whether or not they they resign yeah yeah no no 100% like that. i think that's <laughs> i i think that's probably some of the best advice i've heard for um you know a, 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 like from from a ceo on you know talent retention and how to uh you know find and keep great talent right cuz like one thing you mentioned that I, I i really agreed with was keeping great talent with great talent right if you have somebody who's doing really good and everybody else on the team is not doing the best then i mean that can be a little bit um you know it it, it it can bring that per, the, the person that's really good down right because it's like the other people aren't pulling their weight and stuff and it creates resentment right but if you have great people everybody's on the same go on the same path same mission um you know it, it, your, your company explodes and then the other thing too i i really like that you were saying is like not just locking people down into one position allowing people to transfer right if somebody's in product design they can go over to sale like you know account executive or something like that or marketing or making that switch right um so yeah, so I, I really love that. Um, now I sort of want to talk about, um, you know, through all this time, uh, how, how have you dealt with, uh, like, you know, I want to talk a little bit about mental health. How, how have you dealt with stress? Because uh, you're doing so much, you have so many things going on in your plate right now. Uh, you know, that's it's, it's a lot of stuff. So I mean, like, at points, you must get stressed or, you know, have points when you like, you know, it's it's been 3.5 years but you guys have definitely hit roadblocks and other things that have really sort of like you know stumped you or, or whatever right so how, how how do you approach like stress management and keeping yourself sort of like sane as like you're managing all this crazy stuff that's happening yeah it's uh it's a really good question i think that um there are a few things that uh, that can help the first thing is um how you deal with adversity like the way I deal with adversity and whenever I'm facing problems has tremendously evolved in the right direction in the last uh, years, I would say. Because first, when I was facing a problem or something huge, I thought that, okay, it was the end. You know, like the company would be out of business, like uh, it was over and that's it. Now I understand that as an entrepreneur, my role is to solve problems. 
once you accept that, the more you face problem, the more you just feel like this is your job and you're excited about it, you know. So now the hardest the times are getting, so the lowest I'm going, the more excited I'm getting, which is quite weird, I, I have to admit. <laughs> but the more excited I'm getting, because I know that once you have like the deepest low, this is after these times that you will get the highest highs. And for me, it's really about this mindset of saying that no matter how hard it gets, this is where like the, the best stories are tell. You know, it's like shit, you know, like we were in, in really like shit hit the fan. It was like the worst time ever. We thought the company would break down. We thought like everything would like be over. And then, and this is a story you want to hear, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this is what happened basically. And I kind of like switched my mindset. So that's the first thing which basically like kind of like reduce my stress. Then I think that what's really important is, uh, is just to, you know, like have time for yourself, like don't burn out. Um, even if running a business feels like a sprint, in the end, it's a marathon. So for me right now, having a long-term vision, meaning like uh, five to 10 years is so much reconforting because I know that over time, you know, like I don't have to rush on things. And it's much more preferable for me to take my time to take like this really tough decision rather than to rush on things. And then, you know, like think that you've done a mistake. So that's like the, the second thing. Third thing is really like to keep like a healthy environment. So network with as many entrepreneurs as possible, because in the end, we're all facing tons of shit on a daily basis, whether it's uh, management uh, with co-founders relationship. Uh, or like business and family and all this type of things, we're all facing the same struggles and having more or less the same journey. So I think it's super important to surround yourself with uh, entrepreneurs. Then fourth is like spend time with family and friends as much as possible. Like uh, people who are just outside of the entrepreneurial world because it's good also to stay down to earth, uh, not forget like uh, the essence of life, the essence of happiness, like the sense of all the, the simple things that can make you happy and uh, the fifth thing i guess it's uh, try to do like as much sport as possible but by saying that i feel like a doctor so gonna... <laughs> this is not approved by uh, <laughs> national health and safety. <laughs> yeah yeah no no like th 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 those are th those are some great pieces of advice right and i mean um yeah keep keeping yourself grounded and really keeping your stress and like how you look at stress uh, that mindset shift is, is, I think is one of the biggest things, um, that you can sort of do that can help your career, right? Looking at like, instead of looking at adversity and getting stressed and anxious over it, being like accepting it and getting excited for it, which I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to make that switch just on like, you know, in a second, it takes time to get that mentality, mental sort of in, in order. Right. Um, but yeah, like I, I, when you're telling that, it sort of reminded me a bit about, um, a Joe Rogan podcast that was talking about that. And he was saying some of like, there's like some of the best stories or some of the best times, uh, or some of the funnest times actually are times like in the moment when it actually sucked, but then you look back on it with your friends and it's like a good laugh. Right. And, and that's something yeah. probably you can relate to. Like, <laughs> I don't know when you were traveling, when you were first traveling around the world, right. Like you, you probably ran into some problems. You're like, Oh my God, this sucks. <laughs> like, you know, like we, we can't get a place to stay or, you know, something's happened, but then, you know, when you meet up with those friends again and you're having a few beers or whatever, or right. And you talk about them, you're like, Oh, I remember that time when, you know, like, <laughs> we got locked out of our building or something and we couldn't get back in and it was just like you know it was like 3 a.m in the morning or something like these crazy times right 
um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. This is yeah. very good analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, so we're coming to the, the end here. Uh, I've just got three more questions for you. Um, so talking a little bit more about sort of the, well, I mean, like sort of the day to day, right. Is like, uh, so what was your, um, best day and what was your worst day, um, that you've experienced in your life? If, if, if you feel comfortable talking about that. Okay, that's a, that's a deep question. Yeah. Um, you mean in the in the last three and a half years of being an entrepreneur, or in my entire life? Yeah, in, in, in your entire life, I, I'm I'm interested to hear, <laughs> but you, you don't have to go into detail if you don't want to. I, I know it's a very personal question. <laughs> um, I would say, to be honest, one of my I think one of my best day was uh, the day I realized that uh, I could uh, be free running like uh, the things that I love to do. So. I think this is like a, uh, a fulfillment that I had never like uh, felt in my uh, in my entire life, just because uh, I don't know, you know, for for a lot of time, um, depending on where you grew up, etc. But I never had like uh, entrepreneurs uh, in my family or like role models around me. So for me, you know, I thought that it would nev never be possible to achieve like these things. Um, I, I almost got expelled from high school like many times, uh, all these type of things. So for me, having this journey of, you know, like, okay, this is it, you know, like uh, no matter what happened next, like you, you can do the things you love and get paid for that and be free, you know, like you don't have to work for someone. It's you making your own decision. Uh, so true freedom is something that, uh, that I think I appreciated the most and, uh, and obviously, it's not one day because I had this feeling like many times, either in nature or in other things, but it's something that I would say like that makes me truly happy. Uh, and uh, and uh, the toughest uh, or the, the saddest or toughest day, toughest day in my entire life, I think it's, uh, I think it's the, yeah, during like, uh, during our journey with my, with my best friend when we traveled the world uh i i almost died like many times like <laughs> just a few times and i guess those are the time like that were the toughest uh one day we got like uh we took like a very shitty car and we didn't have a map and we went through like a desert thinking that the road was okay but actually the road is not okay for a shitty car in desert so we got like stuck in the middle of nowhere not in a in a safe road in the middle of the night the car got stuck in the sand uh, and this was like a, a time where I thought we were going to die, <laughs> like literally, because <laughs> uh, we couldn't do anything, uh, and uh, and there were no like uh, civilization, like at I don't yeah. know how many kilometers. So that was a, that was a scary, scary time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I bet. But but I mean, you, you made it out, right? So how, how, I'm actually yeah, interested yeah. here. So how how did you guys make it out of that? Did you get it unstuck, or did you uh, did somebody come by? Or? Yeah. I think I spent like, uh, I don't know how many hours uh, getting like uh, wood out of like a certain like forest a bit farther. Uh, so I could just put like wood under the wheels and I started like digging uh, for like hours under the car to just like dig it out from the sand. Uh, and then we, we managed to put it back onto a sort of track and, uh, and we were out of it. But I think like for a yeah, eight hours. I thought that we were going to die, like because we didn't have any food, we didn't have like any any water left, and we knew that the the nearest village was maybe like uh, I don't know, like uh, 
100 kilometers away so if if we would if we would have walked it would have just like be like really terrible <laughs> yeah yeah no no yeah. no like to, yeah that, 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 that's absolutely crazy so yeah so, advice uh, here get a map and yeah. get like a get a, a good phone that has like a network you know even even in the desert <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent um so yeah so uh another question uh are, are you still good for time i know it's uh 10 yeah i don't have a hard stop no worries yeah. okay okay cool cool yeah, yeah. um all right, cool. So yeah, uh, uh, something that I want to know now is, uh, so with a SaaS company, uh, what is bit, what is overrated about running a SaaS company or like, let's say a startup um, and what is underrated about starting a SaaS company? I think what, what is overrated is, uh, is what people like think about the life of an entrepreneur. So everyone think that successful entrepreneurs uh, have, you know, like a, uh, models and bottles and making parties all the time because they make like so much money etc etc the truth is like your job is to solve problem and solving problem is what most people don't want to do so in the end you have to deal with a lot of shit your entire life you know? so it's part of the game so you know this kind of super nice life of uh, the entrepreneur just going into meetings saying yeah let's do that i've got a big vision and that's it it's not the case uh, and what's uh, what's underrated, I think it's uh, it's how much you learn and how many cool people you can meet along the way. Because to me, like what I love about entrepreneurship is you know like this type of conversation. We share, we exchange. We're like uh, thousands of kilometers away. You're in Canada, I'm in France. This is amazing. You know, like this is what I love about the internet. This is what I love about the startup world. Being able to connect with people around the world, like this is awesome. And uh, and I think not enough people talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love that. And uh, the, the last question here I, I want to ask you before we end. Um, so what is uh, one question that you wish people asked you more? Mm, that's, uh, that's another good question. Uh, question I wish people ask me more. Could be about entrepreneurship, your life, um, your life experiences, anything in general. Mm. Um, I don't want to say something very basic, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think like the, the question I like to ask and what people are often afraid like to ask is like, uh, what's, uh, what's your biggest failure this year or something like that, you know, just because I think we tend to connect even more on failures from people rather than uh, successes, because what makes someone successful is not going to make you successful so people try to learn from people based on their success but i think i learn more from people from their failures so this is something that i i love to ask and i think like people don't ask it enough because they think that it's an uncomfortable question but i do feel like when you start sharing your struggles you connect on a much more emotional way with people rather than when you talk about successes and yeah we got 30 million our company is worth x Yes, of course, it feels good, you know, like, uh, yeah, but in the end, you don't get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. I, I think the failures is where you're sort of, that, 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 that's where the story, like you're saying, the stories come from, but it's also the connect, like you were saying, the connection. 
of uh, people sort of understand that it's like, cause people might look at you and be like, Oh, you know, this is a young guy. He's got it made. You know, like you had the $10 million, you're running an amazing company. You live, you live in Paris, like all this sort of stuff. Uh, but like, I think really showing your failures sort of humanizes you more, right. Uh, it's just being a normal person, right? Like, I mean, you're just a normal person that you just found what you love to do. And you're just doing that day after day after day. Um, so I, I sort of want to talk on that for the last like couple seconds here is what, what was, what was your biggest failure that this year, as we're wrapping sort of up that, that you learned the most from. I think that my biggest failure was, uh, following the hype or, uh, getting like, uh, hyped by my surroundings so you know like um we, we've always been hyper growing but after a certain scale like when you cross 1 million ar everyone starts thinking like okay now after 1 million you've done what 99 percent of the companies won't ever be able to do you're in the in the big uh, big game now big league so from 1 to 10 we started to scale like super rapidly and uh at some point, you know, we were about like 20 in the company. And when I, when I started talking about like other friends and they were asking me, you know, like, uh, oh yeah, like how's the business going, et cetera. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's going good. And then we're like, yeah, how many people are you? Because people always ask that. Uh, after asking, are you paying yourself? When they know it, it's like, how many people in the company? Uh, and to me, this is vanity metrics. However, uh, when you start having like a company with more than 20 people, people started being like, oh, wow, that's good. It's, it started to be like big and bigger. And as we grew, I realized that the more people we had in the company, the more uh, social currencies, I would say, I would had, meaning that we grew from uh, 20 to 30 in like a few months and to 30 to 40. And then everyone was like, oh man, that's amazing. It's crazy how quickly you're growing, etc." And I got, you know, hyped by all of this. And the hype, I think, forced me to hire like uh, way too fast, which uh, made us hire like the wrong person. We kind of like diluted the culture. Uh, so because whenever you hire the, the wrong people or people who don't fit with, uh, with your culture and company, uh, down the line, it doesn't work. Like your, your culture gets changed and not for the right reasons. As I was mentioning, you know, like you're putting less qualified people with highly talented ones. So you're kind of like demotivating the team, et cetera. And I, I would say that the biggest failure was, um, was this part because it pushed me at some point to just like make a full stop and say, okay, how many people should uh, we let go? Uh, making the transition of these people towards new company, et cetera. And it's, it's the hardest things to do because all of the people we hired, obviously we like them. Uh, we spent awesome quality time with them. They're funny, they're cool, et cetera. But they were not a fit and letting all these people go was really tough. So I would say like getting hype and having like these things was really like the, the biggest failure for this year. Yeah. Yeah. And a hundred percent, but I mean like that, that, and I love that you shared that, right. Cause that's something that like you learned from, right. That other startups that have maybe got to your level. Right. And, and it's like that sort of thing, right. It's like how much, like it, it like, you know, people are asking, you know, how, how much, how much are you getting paid for your salary? How many people are growing? And it sort of like feeds into that ego a bit. Um, yeah. which, 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 which I mean, like, um, can end up causing like, you know, um, hiring the wrong people for your, for your company, right. Which can cause effects. But, uh, like I, you explained that I, I really appreciate that. Cause that's like, you know, that's going to help other entrepreneurs if they, you know, when they listen to this, they can hear about this and be like, okay, yeah, 
So it's like, don't, don't feed into the, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to do, right? Like you hit a certain point where you're like, everybody around you is like giving you a, a, a pat on the back and everybody's yeah. being like, yeah, like popping <laughs> like, you know, not, not like popping bottles, but like, I mean, I mean, like everybody's like super exciting. You just start, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like a weird feeling, right? It's like, am, am, am I as good as everybody's saying I am? Like, is this true? Is this not? Is it like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's a really interesting point. Um, and, and I love, I love how you figured out how, how to navigate that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Shoji. Um, uh, you, you've dropped so much knowledge, uh, and I love to hear about your story. You have a very u- unique story. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love that. Uh, guys, if you made it all the way to the end, I really appreciate you guys making it to the end. Um, if you can, guys can leave a review, it helps out a ton, uh, with the guests that come on the show and also my podcast. And I highly recommend that you go check out, uh, G's YouTube. I'll tag it in the, um, links below you guys can go over there and check him out because he's doing some amazing stuff but yeah th- th- thank you again man for for coming on the show yeah thanks a lot max and for everybody listening make sure to to put uh, five stars to max is a cool guy awesome <laughs>